This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 22 for Thursday, October 2nd, 2019. The big idea, to become someone whose actions line up with faith in Jesus' calling, I need to be with comrades who echo the same calling. Our weekly identity statement, I intentionally surround myself with and daily encourage comrades in the calling. Our memory verse, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, 14-16 I have recognized something about myself. I am drawn to the stern warnings in Scripture. I think it's because I tend to fall close to the prophet side of the scale and Paul's list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I don't mean it in the way that most people think of it as a future teller. Instead, I'm drawn to the hard truth of God's word. I'm passionate about sharing God's truth and love his word and his ways. That's not to say you and others don't. I don't mean that at all. In fact, I am seeing so many growing in their love for God's word along this journey, and it's absolutely incredible. Great job. Keep it up. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. What I mean is, when most people read a passage like today's scripture reading, there is often some pushback, intimidation, or even fear, which is normal and understandable. I'm just some kind of freak who likes the hard stuff. All that to say, there is a blessing in this passage if we look for it. All God's warnings have blessings in them if we can learn to see them. What are the blessings? Delight in God's ways. Actual delight. As in, to place the highest value on them. Pleasure, longing in God's law. Well, what is the law of the Lord? It's God's way of living. It's taking delight in, meditating, thinking deeply on God's way of living. It's what we're doing with this journey we're on. We are delighting in God's ways, making His ways the foundational thought for every one of our days and the operating system for our lives. So, even when God gives us a warning, the warning is a blessing. Why? Because it's an opportunity for us to turn away from something that is going to destroy us and to turn towards God himself. Though most of us react emotionally to warnings, they're not bad things. They are loving things. Just like a parent gives a warning to a child who is about to do something against the rules, and if they don't make the right decision, they will likely be harmed or face punishment, so it is with God. God could just let us go down the wrong path and be destroyed, but he loves us. Oh, how much he loves us. And it's his love for us that has led him to warning us over the centuries. 
When you read a warning like today, try to learn to hear it through the love of a father. The father loves us enough to send a warning to keep us from continuing down broken paths that will ruin us. Hebrews 5, 11-14 We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You no longer try to understand. There's the warning. This, from what I observe, is one of the biggest warnings the church needs to hear today, especially in light of tomorrow's scripture reading. In fact, tomorrow and this coming Sunday, we're going to try to correct a major false teaching in the church today that I think is the primary cause for our lackadaisical approach to mediocre Christianity. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding, Proverbs 4, 7. Speaking of understanding, there is something I cannot understand. California farmers. I apologize if you are one, but hear me out. It takes two gallons of water to grow one almond. One almond tree produces thousands of almonds. For one tree, it takes thousands of gallons of water to produce a crop. While I understand the benefits of planting an almond orchard in the desert because of the constant sunshine, there is one thing I can't understand. Why plant an orchard where there is no water? Now, before you start arguing with me about water rights, just think about it logically. God designed the ecosystem to work in certain ways, and by God's design, there are climates that grow trees and other climates that grow cactus. Does it really make sense to plant trees in the same environment that a cactus thrives in? Of course it doesn't. This is why when you drive down I-5 through California, you drive through acres and acres of dead almond and other fruiting and nutting trees. When you don't use understanding, the orchard dies. Not too many believers today are seeking understanding. From what I see, we have settled for receiving someone else's understanding of Scripture instead of seeking to understand it for ourselves. We think we can plant our tree wherever we darn well please because there is an irrigation system that brings the water to me when I want it. Instead of meditating on Scripture for ourselves day and night and becoming like a tree that is planted in the valley near a river where the water table is always high and the tree always has what it needs— we are relying on a replacement for God's system and design. We are the almond tree planted on a hill in the desert, assuming the water will always be there. But what happens when it's not? We falsely believe we will always have this teaching and abundance of materials at our disposal, so we can just rely on false spiritual systems instead of being planted near the river for ourselves. As we have said many times, the whole point of Jesus' death on the cross was to make it possible for you and me to enter God's presence for ourselves without the need of a priest. That was the theme of yesterday's passage and will be a theme that carries throughout the next five or six chapters. 
We must stop settling for vicarious experiences when we were created for so much more. Sadly, we have also settled in the desert, in the company of the wicked and sinners surrounded with the company of mockers. We walk more in step with those who oppose God than we do with God. Several months ago, I gave a sermon entitled, We're Not Giving Jesus a Fighting Chance. In that sermon, I shared the statistic that Christians give their attention to things of this world more than they do the things of Christ at an alarming 32 to 1 ratio. For every minute we spend with Jesus, we're spending 32 minutes consuming the media and information of secular society. For some of us, it's social media, others, Netflix, others, CNN or Fox News. For many of us, it's many of the above. We are trying to be planted in the desert and we're starting to dry up at a rate where the sirens should be screaming, yet they're not. Very few are sounding the warning siren, but the author of Hebrews was not afraid to. I'm not afraid. We all need to stop being afraid of sounding the siren and issue the call to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, seek understanding. The last verse in today's reading is incredibly significant as well. The author says, Solid food is for the mature, who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The mature are those who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use. What does that sound like? A habit. That's actually what the word is. The Greek word is hexis a noun which means a habit, whether of body or mind, a power acquired by custom, practice, and use. Maturity comes to those who, by habit, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Habits are a gift from God when we use them right, but they also work against us when we don't. When we have a habit to delight in God's word, to meditate on it day and night, to rewire our brains, to think in God's operating system instead of the virus that has taken over, that is when we will prosper. The deeper truth of God's word, the solid food, is only for those who make it a habit to understand God's ways. Understanding good and evil is the basic definition of wisdom. So solid food, not milk, comes to those who habitually train themselves. That sounds familiar. Training. Oh yeah, it's the, uh, the Stories Framework for Change, Episode 6. It only comes to those who habitually train themselves to distinguish what is good and evil. I like milk. I, I know, supposedly, I have been deceived by various conspiracies throughout my lifetime to believe that milk is good for you, but I still like it. However, I can't imagine living off of it, because I also like meat. There are a lot of other foods I like besides milk. Are you getting fed up with milk for every spiritual meal? Let's make it a habit to seek to know God's ways, His law, His right and wrong, His truth. Let's delight in it instead of thinking of it as oppression. And let's be like those trees who thrive, who always produce a crop in season and whose leaves don't wither. Let's be those people who prosper no matter what. No matter what comes, we thrive because we are planted next to the stream of living water. 
We sit at the feet of Jesus himself and drink from his spring every day. And his spring of living water flows through our hearts and out of the overflow of our hearts, we speak life into all the dead places around us. That sounds pretty good to me. www.thejesushabit.com <laughs>